Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Better, uh, not Better Calls. <laughs> wow, I knew I was going to mess this up. <laughs> Don't tell Jake or Colin. Um, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> welcome to the fourth episode of the Age of Geek podcast, where we're going to talk about Better Call Saul. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. Anyways, um, so yes, I'm Marley. I'm uh, I'm part of Age of Geek podcast, and I also am part of the Cutscenes and Cupcakes podcast, where we talk about video games. Um, so yeah, I uh, wanted to bring um, some friends on, some guests on, to talk about a series that I have um, recently finished and just love, and really excited to talk to you guys about. So um, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Um, we'll start with. Blake. Blake. Yeah. Hi. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Blake Kalsman. I'm a I'm a, a writer and and producer. Uh, I have a new film, a horror film coming out called Limbo uh, that's um, due out this fall. And I also am the programming director for FanX, Salt Lake Comic Convention. Yay. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Uh, I'm Tracy Mangum. I'm uh, part of the Age of Geek family, but uh, I'm mostly found over on movies that make us. And so it's fun to branch off and talk a little bit of TV that's important to me. So this is great. Yay. Awesome. Well, I'm happy to have you guys. And and Blake, happy to have you again. Um, we had you two episodes ago on our Daredevil episode. That, that, one was, one. that one was a lot of fun. Oh, thanks. That was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm grateful for the chance to come back and uh, amend for my poor performance last, uh, <laughs> what? last episode. Thanks for having me back so quick. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> of course. Yes. So I honestly, when I was first thinking about this episode, this um, Age of Geek episode and wanting to talk about Better Call Saul, I honestly was debating whether I wanted to talk just like about the whole series or kind of more focus on the finale. And I I went back and forth because I honestly like couldn't pick. But at the same time where the finale just happened and you know it was it, I felt like it was such a solid finale that I feel like, mm -hmm. you know, we could kind of focus more on that. But of course, right. if there's anything from earlier seasons or whatever, you know, feel free to to bring that stuff up. Like I'm totally this is, I'm not going to be like strict about this at all, you guys. So I, I just want to talk about the show, like as simple as that. <laughs> I, I think we could talk about the finale and maybe the, the, the few episodes before that, um, because they, and, and, and that can take us into this, to the entire series and even what into some of Breaking Bad, because they, they did such a great job of, of wrapping so much of, of this history of, of not only the series that it preceded, but but the series itself, and they tied up so many loose ends and kind of added to so much. Mm -hmm. uh, there's there, there's a lot to unpack with those last few episodes. Yeah, it's so true. Um, I don't even know what I was gonna say. I'm just like so like there's just so much. There's so so much that happened. Um, well, even just, okay, go ahead, Tracy. I was going to ask Blake. So as a writer, 
because you've written a lot and you've done screenplays and you've done comic books and you've done how I, I can't imagine how difficult it must have been for them to do a prequel where we know what's going to happen to a lot of the characters, not all of them, but a fair amount. And yet still keep that same kind of tension and apprehension and longing to know what's going to happen. That's a, that seems like a really difficult trick to me. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I, I agree. It, prequels are hard to pull off. Um, you know, as, as, for example, as much as I, I enjoyed it, um, uh, the the recent Obi-Wan series on... I knew you were going to bring that Plus. up. <laughs> um, there was there was a lot of uh, there's a lot of cool things that they revealed and and the story was engaging on certain levels but that the the level of suspense I it, it wasn't there with me because uh-huh. we, knew, we knew that Princess Leia was going to grow up we knew that that Obi Wan was going to survive long enough to to start training Luke we knew that Darth Vader was going to survive and and you know i had to kind of i had to kind of focus on different things to enjoy the the series more and i think that's a problem a lot of prequels run into is that you if if you have characters that that are being uh portrayed that that are part of the story or part of the series or part of the movies that that these are prequels to um Mm -hmm. Whenever they're in dangerous situations, there's no fear for those characters because you know everything's going to be okay, and you know they're going to survive to the next set of stories. Uh-huh. I think I think the the writers and producers of this series did two th- specific things that that helped this series work for me and for many other people. Number one, they focused on the journey of jimmy mcgill becoming saul goodman yes yeah and number two they brought in new characters that we cared about Uh or that engaged us who weren't part of breaking bad and so that left the question Mm -hmm. what happened to these people yes yeah kim wexler i think is the biggest one number one Mm -hmm. but but Mm -hmm. also but also uh, Howard, also Lalo. Uh, Lalo. I mean, and, and you know, I we were reminded. I, I watched a video on on the episode where they brought Walt and Jesse back and kind of extended that scene where they took Saul out to the desert, yes, threatened him. But in that scene that was act from the actual Breaking Bad episode, he mentions Lalo, yeah, right, and. and and mm-hmm. this, the the writers for this series, one strength they have, and maybe this is Vince Gilligan's leadership, but they, the devil is in the details with these people. Absolutely, yeah, oh, for sure. Like even even from the beginning of um, season one of Better Call Saul, you you start to pick up on lots of little things, like even hearing the word um, or the name Salamanca. You know, uh-huh. you know that from Breaking Bad and you're just like, wait a second, there's more. <laughs> and so, you know, you and then also, I mean, even just um, one character that you do know from Breaking Bad. Is it the one in the wheelchair? Is that Hector? Yeah. Hector. Yeah. yeah. Like you see him not in a wheelchair and you're like, 
wait a, wait a second, this is that same character. Mm-hmm. So even just kind mm-hmm. of like seeing like those little like Easter eggs, like, cause you're right. It, it really was in the details. And I loved how they, there were just so many different ones throughout the seasons where they just kind of just like threw it in there. And a lot, like a lot of them were obvious and some were just kind of subtle. And so like mm-hmm. fans of Breaking Bad are going to pick up on those. And I think, yeah. I, and I love it. Like, I mean, it's, to me, it's, I mean, it's, it's fan service for one thing. And also just cause they, they know that they need to pay attention to the details. Yeah. And, and they, speaking, also, they also ex- expanded the Breaking Bad universe. We learned how Hector mm-hmm. ended up in a wheelchair and mm-hmm. I unable to speak. We learned, we learned how Mike Ehrmantraut started working for Saul. We, we learned, and then, and then in turn started working for, Gus Fring. We, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of things we learned that expanded that, and and other prequels or other things that are that are supposed to represent before a, a, a series or a series of movies. Oftentimes, the the writers will make mistakes, uh-huh. you know, and 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 they'll they'll contradict things that happen later on, or they'll they'll or they'll retcon some things that. Uh, mm-hmm that uh, you know out of the convenience of hey we'd like to we'd like to put this in this character's origin that was not mentioned before and i really felt like the the better call saul did not do any of that they did not do yeah. any retconning and and Mm-mm. and what they did was they expanded the storylines and 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 kind of gave us origin stories for a lot of these characters to put them in the place where they are introduced at in breaking bad Oh, yeah. yeah well, and, and even like the. You go ahead, Tracy. I was going to say, it never felt like fan service. And sometimes in prequels, it's like they put in an Easter egg that makes you go, like, oh, okay. But there were so many subtle callbacks. And it's like you said, like the devil's in the details. Um, I, I didn't even remember this, but I saw on the Breaking or the Better Call Saul Facebook page, they had a picture, I think, from season three, which is the last time that Chuck is in court. And they have the exit sign. And then they have the picture of Jimmy in the very last episode. And there's the exit sign. And both of them, it was right before Chuck ended up killing himself. And then this is Jimmy giving everything up to go to jail. Mm. Um, It's just little things like that that I just, it never felt like it was like, this is only for the fans. It was just like, you know. And it was was Jimmy, that, that scene where they showed the exit sign. Uh, Jimmy was killing Saul at that point. Oh, in the in the very final scene, is that in the, very, in the, the, the final that final court scene? Court he scene, yeah. Killed Saul. Yes, off. that's true. Yes, and he that's became Jimmy again, yeah, and right. that's 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 the Jimmy who kind of fessed up and mm-hmm. and threw away the. The, the deal for seven years. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and he, that, you that know, all had created or worked out with the DA mm-hmm. and he, he, he let go, he let go of Saul and became Jimmy and, and uh, got 86 years for it. Well, and it's, and it's important to point out too, that, you know, a big reason why he did that was because he wanted to show Kim Wexler that, that redemption that he wanted to, um, to accomplish in that moment. And, and, you know, I, it, it, obviously like he orchestrated getting her there in the courtroom so that she would witness, but at the same time, like, 
I don't know, tell me if I'm wrong, but it almost seemed like too. Do you do you think he pre-planned that like from from that moment, like even before that? Do you think he he was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna confess to some more stuff and totally throw in the towel of Saul Goodman? Or do you think he kind of decided that in the courtroom that day? He he planned it when he learned that um because he tried to use the whole Oh, I, I know what happened to Howard. Mm, that's right. I'm going to use this as a leverage to get the ice cream I want during oh, my yeah. seven years in prison. Said, oh, <laughs> oh, you don't? Nope. Kim already came forward and uh, mm. fully, you know, confessed to what happened with Howard. And and I think once he realized that, that Kim was open to uh, a civil lawsuit, Mm-hmm. from Howard's widow. Oh yeah, that's right. Um yeah. I think that's when he decided to to confess and and destroy the the deal he had made because I think he wanted to save Kim from having yeah. to go through that. And I I think yeah. too not only that but he he saw how Kim was able to kind of redeem herself in a way. She was mm-hmm. able to like because he tells her on that phone call he's like, "Well, you should just go turn yourself in if you're so great." And she did. And I think to him, he was like, okay, I need to step up to the plate as well. So I think it was partially to keep Kim out from the, from the potential lawsuit and protect her. But I think it was also the way he played it and made it sound like he had something that might implicate Kim um, that led her to being in the courtroom. And I don't know if she would have been otherwise. And he wanted to be, to show her that redemption. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I think that was really like great to have her back, um, her to to witness that, you know, and and even like that final scene where she goes to visit him in the prison and and just kind of them showing like, you know what, like I don't even know how to describe it, but just watching them like, you know, lean up against the wall and like share a cigarette one last time, and mm-hmm. um. I even read an article online that they were talking about the, you know, the finger guns that they do to each other. And there was actually uh, like, so Saul, um, Jimmy does this finger guns to her as she's leaving. And um, I think originally they were going to have either they were going to have Kim do it back or there's a previous season where she did it back to him. And so someone in the article or the the writer of the article was saying like, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been appropriate to, to have her do the finger guns back because, um, because then that would suggest that like, she would um, like, I guess like be back in it. Like, like she, like by her not doing it, it kind of just, puts an end to it. Like this is her finale. Like she's walking away from it. And so to me, that kind of sounds like, I don't know. I, I wonder, I wonder if she'll ever, like if she would ever go back and visit him or if she truly is done and she's going to move on with her life. You know, it just kind of makes you wonder, will she be back to visit him in jail? Yeah. I I read an interview with Seahorn and she said, she's a hopeless romantic. So she said, I think, that Kim will come back and visit him. Yeah. She's like, I think Kim would come back and visit him. She said, they're not going to be what they were. And Jimmy's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. But she said, she thinks that Kim would try and find ways legally to make things easier for Saul or to possibly mm. reduce a sentence 
um, so that they could still have that love and affection for each other and that respect for each other, but not be a couple anymore. Right. Yeah. I know their, their relationship throughout the whole thing was, was pretty interesting because it, it was, it kind of felt like a lot of the time, especially early on, it was kind of like a will they, won't they situation. And you really don't get like a ton of romance or PDA, if, you know, if, whatever uh-huh. you want to call it. Uh-huh. Like there just really wasn't a lot of that between them. And so it just kind of makes you wonder, like, like even when they were married in the, um, you know, in, in the end there, but that was also mostly just to kind of help protect each other legally. But it's again, like, I mean, yeah, sure. We saw some like kissing and cuddling and stuff, but like, it was just yeah. an odd relationship, I think, overall. But it worked. Like, they were mm-hmm. so close. They were partners. Like, they still were, like, in it together. Even though they had, like, opposing... It seemed like a lot of the times they had kind of opposing views about the law and the right. ethics and everything. <laughs> but I don't know. Just overall, they were just... They were an odd couple. Yeah, the the strength of their relationship was um, the scams they pulled mm-hmm. on others. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what made the relationship weird, but it also made it work for them because outside of that, they really didn't, there wasn't a lot of, uh, it didn't seem to be a lot of passion outside yeah. of, outside of you bring out something in me that's exciting. Speaking of, of Kim to Jimmy mm-hmm. and, and this is, this is the basis of why I want to be with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's yeah. why when Howard was killed, Kim left because she said she realized, you know, I don't like who we are together. She yeah. realized the basis and- of their relationship was scamming people, uh, ca- causing harm to others for their own amusement right. more than anything else. Yeah. So- and she's got the, the heartbreaking line there in that scene, Blake. Mm-hmm. Where Jimmy says, but I love you. And she says, I love you too, but so what? Like, this is bigger. This is more important. And it just breaks your yeah. heart, but it's true. And yeah. and that's what I, I mean, love about the writing. Yeah. Yeah. A, a, a romance that works, the two people that are together, if it works, you, you as a partnership make each other better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So that was not the case with those two at all. Oh, no. So then let me ask you guys this. So because to me, I mean, there there was a lot of back and forth with these um, with these scenes. You know, we got to see like some flash forwards of him in Omaha. And you could usually tell when that was happening because it was in black and white. And, Mm -hmm. you know, but then there was like other just kind of flashbacks here and there. but it seemed like, cause here, here we saw Saul Goodman in this little apartment that him and Kim shared together. But then you also see this like luxury, like mansion with like closets yeah. and like giant bathtubs and like silk scarves, like every, like all these just like things. And it just kind of makes you wonder like, what, what was his, do you think Kim leaving him was his breaking point? Well, there were three characters yeah. that, Bob Odenkirk played in this series. That is true. He played, he played Jimmy McGill. Mm-hmm. Jimmy right. McGill was the person with the conscience. Jimmy McGill was the person that took care of his brother. Jimmy mm-hmm. McGill was the person that lived with Kim in the tried apartment. The right yeah. At first tried to do the right thing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, then there was Saul Goodman. Saul Goodman owned the mansion with the mm-hmm. with the uh, with the huge collection of clothes. Yeah. And the the golden gaudy. toilet. Oh yeah. <laughs> Very gaudy. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, and Saul Goodman, you know, spent his times uh, with prostitutes and you know, working with criminals and, and making as much money as, as possible. I, I think after Kim left, he became full Saul Goodman. Mm, yes. And that's, that's when he, that's when he lived in the mansion that we see the, the federal agents going through, um, you know, in the later episodes of better call Saul, that was during the breaking bad period. And then, right. and then we have. Um, well, he completely changed his office too. Remember? Yeah. 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 I mean, oh, sorry, my, I mean, my internet was like didn't mean to cut in on you, but like no, no, the, no, the no, 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 that's peacefully done, and then he went with the pillars. Yeah. Right. And, and that that flashback where Kim comes into his Saul Goodman office to sign the divorce papers. Mm -hmm. This is two years before Breaking Bad, if I'm getting the timeline right. This is two years before Breaking Bad, but two or three years after Kim left. And, um, you know, she's she's seen what, she's seen him in full Saul Goodman mode. Mm -hmm. He's not Jimmy. Mm -hmm. So the papers are signed and she walks out and she has that conversation with Jesse Oh yeah, and a lot of people were like, "Well, that was that was kind of fan service," and I don't think it was. It was it was connecting him so. to Breaking uh-huh. Bad in a in a pretty cool way, mm-hmm. I thought. But the whole purpose for that conversation with Jesse, yeah, wasn't wasn't as much about the fact she was talking to Jesse. It was about the question at the end of the conversation, where Jesse goes, "Is this guy a good lawyer?" Oh yes, that's and he, right. And she says he was when I knew him. Oh, meaning I don't know who that guy is in there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And that's a little like, ugh, like stab right to the heart, you know? Because yeah. again, like we we saw everything that happened before and that led up to those moments, and so it just that was a powerful statement. And then she, well, it was pouring rain, and so she runs to her car, but yeah. but because she just kind of like cut off the conversation and just left. Yeah. And also that, that conversation too helped establish the timeline. Cause you kind of wonder, you're like, wait, did she come back to the Saul Goodman office when all of the Walter White stuff was going down? Nope. And so, and yeah. And, and then we learned that I can't remember his friend's name all of a sudden, the, um, the other drug, the, the guy he used to cook meth with. Um, yeah. I can't remember his name. Uh, can't remember his name. Yeah. But you guys know who I'm talking about. Like, yes. Oh, from like the first yeah, couple yeah. episodes of Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. But if Kim uh, doesn't was talk it, to uh, Jesse was it- and kind of give a, yeah, he was a good lawyer when I knew him. Jesse would not have hired Saul. And then this whole thing never would have happened. Yeah. So that, that's really, and I, and I'm with you, Blake, this was a couple of years before Breaking Bad, and this was just his friend got picked up for for cooking, and mm-hmm. wanted to help get him out. Yes, and then the third person that is that uh, Bob Odenkirk plays is is Gene Torkovic, mm-hmm. who is his identity while he's living in Omaha during the black and white flash forward stuff. 
Um, he's a Cinnabon employee. He's, he's a manager at Cinnabon. <laughs> yeah. And this guy, this guy, and the life that Saul slash Jimmy had to leave at lead as this guy, that was the prison. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. he he was in this, you know, he was hiding in plain sight, but at the same time, he was he was living this existence which was such a contrast to when he was Jimmy and especially when he was Saul. Mm-hmm. Oh, for he sure. was alone. He was living in constant fear of being me. made. He was living this kind of dead-end existence. I mean, you know, those of us who have worked retail knows <laughs> can relate. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, this is this is the prison he lived in, and this is and this is and this is the this is the situation that brought Saul back out. That's at, true. At the very end, he, Saul came back uh, because he couldn't handle yeah this kind of mundane, lonely, mm-hmm. boring existence that Gene led. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so he he had to put together a scam. You know, mm-hmm. he had he yep. had to go back to being the con man. Yep. And that the interesting thing about the the um, the cab driver. Um, oh. Right. Uh, what's his name? I'm so bad with names sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, um, Jeffy. Jeffy. Jeff. Yes. <laughs> the interesting thing about him making Gene in the mall there when Gene's oh, just yes, sitting on the bench right. eating his lunch and he goes up, hey, say it, say it. I loved your commercials when I lived in mm-hmm. Albuquerque. You think Jane's going to run at that point? But no, yeah. Gene was like, I'm going to take this guy and I'm going to resume my old life. I'm going to bring back the thrill. I'm tired of this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The wheels definitely yeah. started turning in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So let's talk about, let's talk about those cameos in the finale, namely, Jesse Pinkman and Walter White coming back. So I kind of, I have to say, I kind of wish this wasn't leaked or teased. I wish it would have just no been, did no you idea. really not? Because yeah. oh. I, I remember mm. when they were talking about the final episodes coming out that they were going to show up in there. And I was like, yeah. like they announced it. Like it was an official announcement. I'm like, wait. I'm glad I missed it. Why did they why did they do that? It should have just been a freaking surprise. That's what it should have been. <laughs> that was directly from Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because but I know I, that I, 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 I read the, I read that uh, that well while they were filming it, they, they did it in complete secrecy and they they kind of uh did this kind of cloak and dagger stuff where Brian Cranston and and um, Aaron Paul, Aaron Paul, were not seen by anyone outside of the people working on the series. Oh, yeah. So I yeah. wish they wouldn't have teased that. Like, I wish it would have just been a straight up surprise. But at the same time, like, it was it was still a lot of fun to see them and to see how they were going to be incorporated in those last few episodes. And I have to say though, 
it was a little weird because Aaron mm-hmm. Paul is so much older now than when he filmed Breaking Bad series. And so like his voice, <laughs> I couldn't take it seriously. Like I just kept like, oh. like honing in on that. And I'm just like, this doesn't seem right at all. And like, you know why? Cause he's older, but you're just like, okay, okay. And then you're yeah. like, hey, I got to focus on the scene. <laughs> it was kind of the same way with El Camino too. Oh, yes. You know, because that was yeah. filmed. That came out in 2019. And uh, yeah, you yeah, just had to kind of suspend your disbelief to yeah. go with it. I mean, you yeah. could tell they tried to de-age Jesse, but yeah, you can't fix his voice. No. No. Uh-huh. Well, but he I, was, I, I think it worked, though, because he was back in character. Both he and Brian Cranston were oh, back in character. They did amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I read a, an interview with uh, Peter Gould, uh, one of the executive producers, and he said in the scene um, where we first see Jesse and uh, and Walter when they're on the RV, he said he had to remind uh, Brian Cranston, this is basically season one of Breaking Bad, season two, so I need less uh, Heisenberg and I need more Walter. And he was like, yeah. oh, okay. And then they had, then he said at the end when they're in the um, the vacuum cleaner guy and they're getting ready to be change the the locations, it's like okay now it's full Heisenberg so go nuts. You know? <laughs> That's true. He was definitely more grumpy <laughs> in those scenes. <laughs> He's a little more snappy and a little well, more the, condescending the, uh, to yeah, Saul. The, the, I was going to say the arrogance is there. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. The Heisenberg yeah. arrogance. Oh yeah, like this when all Jimmy was Yeah, all he wanted to ask him was just like a like a hypothetical like if you had a time machine, you know, where would you go and whatever. And Walter White just had to totally like diminish all of that, you know. He was just like, Shut "Hey, come down. on, dude." <laughs> oh, goodness. But I love the line when he looks at Saul and he says, "So you were always like this." And I think that sets up a lot going into these, the, the rest of the final episode when he has that redemption arc. Um, he wasn't always like this and it was always a part of him and it was always there, but it wasn't the only thing that was there. Whereas with Walter, it was always there and then cons- Oh no, oh. we lost Tracy. <laughs> he was in the middle of saying something really profound. <laughs> he was. Oh man. Well, I was I was going to say too with the uh we'll wait for him to come back. Oh, there he is. You're back. Sorry about that. You're okay. <laughs> Keep going. It, we it don't know. Like, it's like trying to watch a video on YouTube and the and suddenly the commercial pops up. <laughs> <laughs> Mid-roll. <laughs> but I, I was just saying I I love that Walter says to him, you were always like this. Mm-hmm. And he's dismissive of, dismissive of Saul at that point. And we learn that Walter White always had that terrible stuff inside of him and allowed it to consume him. Saul had a lot of the same characteristics and it consumed him for a while, but he pulled himself back at the end, which I thought was a very nice difference between the two. I thought it was also interesting that, uh, you know, you, you have the different co- conversations about the time machine with uh, with Saul. 
Oh yeah. You know, and, and he keeps talking about money. Oh, I go back to the state and invest a million dollars in Warren Buffett's company. I, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, everyone else would talk about, Oh, I, I go back to this time that, you know, that was, had a profound change in my life or had a profound change right. in a relationship I had their, their regret was more emotional and more relationship based. And Jimmy kept going back to money but when he has that conversation with with Walt, uh, Walt talks about, you know, he talks about uh, gray matter. He talks about the potential billions of dollars he lost out on because he felt like his former partners cheated him, mm-hmm. you know, cheated him out of what was rightfully his. And so Walt's regret was all about the money too. Mm-hmm. And it's, Oh, yeah, and because he regretted the money with Gray Matter. Um, it, it, am I there? Yes, you're no. there. Maybe. Oh, no. Well, we we might have spinning, lost him again. We got the spinning <laughs> wheel of death. Well, and... Well, with the, with the time machine thing, like, you could tell that, like, even though Saul kept mentioning like money and stuff like we as the viewers we could still tell that like he didn't really mean that like you could tell that he also wanted to give a little bit more like emotional response but he's never did and so it's kind of it just kind of makes you wonder like why there he is (laughs) oh worst internet ever anyway oh i'm sorry (laughs) Where were we? You were oh. talking about you were talking about Walt and gray matter and regret. Yes. Oh, it just that that becomes Walter's excuse as to why he became Heisenberg. I got mm. screwed. I was something happened to me, and that caused me to become this person, as opposed to no, that was really how you were all along. You just didn't you just didn't realize it. Yeah, his his bruised ego. You know, he, it was, it was always there, but it was just a little, it was just a little bruised from that um, gray matter incident and everything. So yeah, when he saw the opportunity, he's like, yes, I'm going to keep, I'm going to do something bad because I can, (laughs) because I've got nothing to lose, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, Mm -hmm. it just kind of makes you wonder why. Yeah, and it makes you wonder why, like, why did Saul keep answering, like, giving his answer about, like, money? Like, oh, I just want money. Like, why, you know, you know, he, you could tell that he um, wanted to answer differently. It seemed like, you know, so it's just like, why was he asking? I mean, obviously, like, you wouldn't bring up that hypothetical question, especially, like, asking about, like, you know, regrets and going back in time and changing things if he didn't feel that same way about something. Like, why else would he not, like, why else would he yeah. bring that up if he didn't want to then think about what he would do? Well, financial regrets aren't as painful. I right. mean, I mean, Walt could throw his former partners under the bus, Um you know, uh, Saul could Saul could come up with many different reasons why, you know, he didn't make the money he wanted to make. But, 
you know, I, I would think that if you got inside Jimmy's head or Saul's head, if there's a play time where he'd want to go back, potentially it's when he started um, harassing and scamming Howard. Yeah. Uh, I believe this was in season five, correct? When he, so, yeah, with the with the hooker showing up to yeah. his lunch date and balls. him throwing the throwing the bowling balls over the wall and and damaging Howard's car, trying to plant that, cocaine or whatever. Yeah, it was. and that just that just <laughs> escalated, and you know he pulled Kim in, and that just escalated. Well, you know, if they hadn't scammed Howard and harassed him, he wouldn't have shown up the night that Lalo also showed right. up and killed him. Right. And Howard's yeah. death seemed to be the catalyst for the end of Jimmy. Yeah. The end of yeah, his relationship sure. with Kim and him be going into full Saul Goodman mode, which takes us into the Breaking Bad stuff. Yeah. And then him eventually having to take on the gene identity and, you know, and then ending up in prison for the rest of his life. So, you know, maybe, maybe Saul would have ended up in prison anyway, but certainly the events as they turned out and this is what gives both series a connectiveness and a density to that connectiveness is is you know it was it was jimmy's decision to exact revenge on howard because his brother wasn't around anymore and howard mm -hmm. represented you know him not having the chance to be the lawyer he wanted to be in the beginning mm -hmm. and and uh, maybe I'm speculating too much by this point, but it seems like it all it, it, it all kind of went to that point to where Lalo killed Howard and then his life changed. Kim's life changed. And a hundred percent. I don't think that's oh, yeah. you're speculating at all. I think you're absolutely spot on. Um, again. You know, I have to say I. I was really worried about Kim Wexler's character being killed off. Like seriously, from the beginning of the series, I, we, you know, especially when you could tell that she yeah. was a, a, another, you know, main character um, that you're just like, okay, so here's this woman who's a very important part of Saul's life, Jimmy's wife. And you're just like, I know she's not around in Breaking Bad. So what happens to her? And every single time Lalo Salamanca showed up and she was there and he was being all threatening. You're like, is this the moment? Is this the moment? Like I seriously thought, okay, yeah, for sure. Howard Hamlin dying was awful and tragic. And I'm not trying to like negate that in any way, but like if it had been Kim, I would have been a lot more like, a, like had more of an emotional response about it. Do you guys feel the same or what do you oh, Absolutely. Doing? Absolutely. I was, <laughs> I, I was sitting on the edge of my couch when, during that scene, I, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I kept thinking, okay, oh this, is, this is going to be it for Kim. Yeah. This is, this is the moment, but it was interesting how, I mean, they took Kim in a direction that I don't think anyone suspected. I mean, the, the gene stuff in Nebraska and the Cinnabon that, that was from episode, that was from the pilot episode. Yeah, that's true. We were was, saying, yes. hey, here's here's Saul after Breaking Bad. Here's what he's doing. But with Kim, um, we didn't learn until after she left Jimmy that she went down to Florida and she kind of had her own Gene Torkovich life. I mean, I she still Kim Wexler. She wasn't she didn't change her identity, but she was still in this kind of job she hated. She was in this 
relationship and these women she worked with, it was also counter to the life that she had she had, had as a lawyer and with Jimmy and 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 everything that the life she had in Albuquerque. Updating sprinkler parts on a website. I mean, that's what she does all day. Uh, you know, yeah. get, trying to and and as somebody who has had to write technical, um, try like sell technical stuff but make it salesy it's so hard because you're like introducing the all new exciting and it's like is it really you know <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> but, I, but, but even the conversation she's having with her boyfriend and and the women yeah. she's worked with and it's like you know hey should we try miracle whip in the uh do you think it'll work in the in the potato salad i don't and, know and you know it, it was like so it was it was like she's playing this character that was so such a a contrast to who she really was and it it was like she was lost in that character yeah and and she was so indecisive because they would they would ask her questions do you want to have a piece of cake uh i don't know do we want to use miracle whip uh i don't know and it it isn't until she goes to that law firm where they're offering free legal advice and she's like i'd like to help and she picks phone and it's like, okay, she's back. Whereas yeah. before that she was living that gene life. Yeah. Yeah. When she picks up that phone and answers it, she's, she becomes Kim Wexler again. Oh yeah. No, it's like she was in like, kind of like a purgatory like state, that. you know, she, it was just like that in between like limbo, not really uh -huh. sure what's going to happen kind of state. And it was, it was like depressing to see her in that state. I mean, obviously like I'm happy that she wasn't dead, but at the same time you could tell like she was not happy there at all until yeah. And then you see her walk into that, that legal services office yeah. and you're like, because at first I, I wondered if she was going to go there to like, ask for her own help or like hire a lawyer or something. But then when she's like, no, actually I want to volunteer. You're like, yeah. Okay. Like you're like, this is good. Especially because you <laughs> could tell like she liked doing the pro bono work back in Albuquerque. She liked helping people, you know, she knew oh, that sure. she was a good lawyer and that she had a lot of knowledge and experience. And so she's like, I, I want to help the people that can't help themselves. And when she returns to Albuquerque to give the affidavit to the DA and then oh, go yeah. see a Howard's and then, and then give a copy of it to Howard's widow, mm -hmm. she, yeah. she's at the courthouse. She looks over and she sees a, a, a younger woman. Oh yeah. Uh, probably, probably legal defense. She has the same Kim Wexler ponytail. She's a brunette. She's not a blonde. Mm -hmm. But this the, this lawyer is getting her client ready for court by tying a tie on him. Tie. And yeah, she sees a version of herself, mm -hmm. what she used to be. Well, and isn't it interesting too? Yeah. With the, I mean, I feel like it's happened like in this entire series, but like it, going back to like it's all in the details. They focus so much on clothing and like how it like identifies a person. Mm -hmm. And cause you know, the, the obvious with, with Saul Goodman is that he wears these flashy, you know, bright colored suits, bright colored tacky. shirts and, and really loud ties. Uh -huh. Yeah. Very tacky. But then like it's, so it's interesting that it was, it was so weird 
and you know it's interesting to see kim carrying like a patchwork bag instead of like a really nice briefcase and and even just yes. like some of the other clothing she was wearing like it was just kind of like simple shirt simple you know nothing very, really very too drab. flashy and so like yeah very drab just like walking into the albuquerque court courthouse and you're like this is such a contrast to the more prim and proper you know yeah ponytail blazer power suit you know kind of like very clean cut and everything and so i like those kinds of details i i like i pay attention to wardrobe a lot in like tv shows and movies and how mm -hmm. they choose to to represent the characters or to convey a message of some sort or just symbolism you know whatever it is and so it was it was really interesting to see that contrast because it truly showed how Kim wasn't herself. She right. she was a different person during that time, and, well, um, and and both Kim and Jimmy tried to be the corporate lawyers uh -huh. with uh, HHM and mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Jimmy was with um, uh, uh, the other the other company. I don't uh, remember. I can't remember. Anyway, he was so with the other years. law firm. He 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 his his uh, access in was through the uh, Sandpiper case. Right. Oh yes, yes. Uh, right. The lawsuit, and so they both tried it, and they both didn't like it. And so Kim goes from being a corporate lawyer. Uh, first, she's at HHM. Then she's working for that bank. Uh -huh. Oh yeah. Expand in the in the Western United States, and then she goes to being legal defense. And then Jimmy goes from working for the, uh, a big company to to himself. He's still trying to be a legitimate lawyer, doing the elder care and and stuff like that. And then, but then he becomes Saul Goodman after his brother dies, and he's carrying the weight of that around um, after uh, Charles's uh, Chuck suicide. And so they they try to become the traditional corporate. Uh, lawyer types first and then they kind of diverge off and Jimmy starts wearing the, the tacky loud suits and ties the contrasting colors uh, <laughs> as Saul Goodman and Kim Kim yeah she's she dresses like a like a legal defense lawyer and they don't get paid a lot yeah yeah so. yeah it's true um, yeah no wardrobe is huge can we, Go ahead, can Tracy. we spend a minute and just talk about that scene on the bus? Because if Ray Seahorn does not get all the Emmys, especially for that scene, I just, I'm going to lose my mind because she's on the bus, she's given the deposition, she's met with Hatch Widow, and this isn't just an immediate reaction. This is six years of repression and not letting yourself feel this way. And it all just comes bubbling up and you see all these different emotions in her eyes and in her face. Mm -hmm. And then she just breaks down crying and it's just like, <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. She the, was amazing. Um, yeah. The, it's almost like the person she was in Florida was came about because she was, keeping back the emotions, the yes. trauma, the regret, the guilt that all comes bursting out yeah. in that scene. There's a little, there's a little Easter egg in that scene. 
there's a woman on the bus that um, in an early episode of, of Breaking Bad, they're uh-huh. having that assembly to honor Walt because, oh, yeah. it, because they've, they've oh, talked yeah. about, you know, his, his illness has been disclosed at that point. So they're, mm-hmm. they're honoring Walt. There's a woman who's a fellow teacher that's down uh, on the floor with Walt standing near him. Um, that is Vince Gilligan's wife. Oh, that that same character, this this Albuquerque high school teacher or administrator, is on the bus with Kim. Again, it's Vince Gilligan's wife. Oh, that's nice. And she's the one you see a hand reach out to try and pull Kim. Uh That's that's her hand. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, I like that. That's way cool. So again, oh, they they just do an excellent job of. It's like they pay attention to what they create, yeah. even if it's years and years and years before. And I can just imagine the writers' room for that show saying, "Hey, oh, remember man. in Breaking Bad season four, episode five, when this <laughs> character did this? You know what we can we do? Hold that same character." Into this episode of Better Call Saul because you know it's it's likely they would have still been doing this. It's mm-hmm. like the the the, mm-hmm. the um was it Bob Wins or Jim Wins the the real estate guy that uh, uh, Walt lit his car on fire in Breaking yes. Bad. Yes. Oh yes, yes. But then but yeah. then we're we're years earlier He's and Jimmy and Kim scammed Jimmy. him out of an expensive yes. bottle of. of <laughs> Of, of uh, alcohol. Uh-huh. Um, oh, yes. you know, and he's basically the same dude. He's, you know, he's, 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 he's basically this, this guy that's so full of himself and his success as a real estate guy that he's easy. He's an easy target for those two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I, I and. You. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to change topics. So if you had something else, go ahead. Yeah, I was as well. I was just going to say real, real super quick. I, when I first, when they first announced this series, I was a little skeptical because Saul Goodman, while an entertaining character, I just didn't see how they could make a whole show out of him. And the fact mm-hmm. that it was Jimmy McGill becoming Saul Goodman and then reclaiming himself. I'm just like, I will watch anything that Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould want to produce or direct or write. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, they're they're they've uh, they are very good at world building. Yes, yeah. I love it. Well, and along with that, like I want to just quickly go beyond uh, Kim and Jimmy for a minute uh-huh. and talk about like Mike Ermintrout and like Gus Fring because again, those were some characters that we knew um, some things about already from. Breaking Bad series and to see them and like how, you know, even like their stories and how that whole thing set up for what we then saw in Breaking Bad. Like huge example is um, they were working together to construct that meth lab underneath the laundromat. Like that was kind of cool to see like the behind the scenes of that because as far as we knew before all of that, it was, you know, it was just there, but Right. We didn't know any, we didn't have like any context about why or how it came to be or, or whatever. 
Right. And so it was kind of cool to like, see like all of the lengths they had to go to, to get that underground meth lab up and going, like hiring people from Germany and right. random people, you know, and just like keeping everything hush hush. And it was just, it was the, yeah, the links they went to and just all of those like details. Um, and, you know, and we got to know a few other characters too. Like I, I have to mention Nacho. Like mm-hmm. I just, I found that I had like, you know, I just, I, I was rooting for him a lot of the time, you know, he, you know, you could tell that he was just trying to do good. And he was also trying to like make his dad proud and, mm-hmm. and also to like help out his dad and keep him safe and out of his, you know, kind of crime world that he was starting to go into. And so it was just like, I just, uh, yeah. And again, that was another character that you're like, huh, Nacho is not in Breaking Bad. Yeah. What happens to him? And obviously like we know, but that was, that was, like- a, I liked that set of the story as well. Like you had Jimmy over here and then you had everything with like the drug trade and the crime world over here. And so it was really cool to see it all. Totally doing this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, uh, uh, Another another little tidbit of Easter egg information is that yeah. La, uh, Nacho is mentioned in passing in Breaking Bad. Right, is he? Well, not same scene. Yeah, Wait, which scene? Uh, it, when when Walt and Jesse kidnap. Uh, oh, Paul, and he says, "Did Lalo send you?" It was Nacho. I didn't do it. It was Nacho. Yeah, I need to go back and watch that scene. I've I've been rewatching Breaking Bad with my husband because I've I've seen it through a couple times already now, but he kind of saw it through one time. And so a lot of it's new for him, but uh-huh. we're past that part now. So I'm like, dang it. I need to like go back oh. and see if I can find <laughs> that again, but I'm excited to rewatch better call Saul. Um, Cause I've yeah. only seen it through the one time and he, my husband's never seen it. So once we oh, finish better fun. calls or once we finish breaking bad, we're going to watch better call Saul together. Nice. When and I, I go like back it. when now when I go back and watch Breaking Bad again when they're in the drug lab underground, yeah. all I'm gonna think about is oh yeah, there's, there's Howard, Howard and Howard and Lalo <laughs> Are they standing where Howard and Lalo are? Yep. <sighs> and the sad thing is, is that you know once the DEA finds the lab and busts it, they're not necessarily going to be digging up the concrete and looking for something underneath. So those guys are probably just always gonna be there. No, they're well. They talk about two. There, there's a scene where uh, um, Walt's brother-in-law. Um, oh, Hank. oh, Hank! Hank is talking to the D agent that's kind of uh, investigated the arson, and he does talk about they found two bodies. Oh, I forgot. Okay, yeah. oh. okay. So, uh, I need to watch Breaking Bad again. <laughs> yeah, so so they may have taken that line, and that may have been the the but genesis that, for their them deciding to have those two characters buried in the concrete. Oh, interesting! Oh my yeah. gosh! But they're not necessarily talking about them, are they? They could be. Because wait, when when does I he say know. that line? At what point? It's it's uh, when it's it's after the it's it's the final season of Breaking Bad. It's before yes. Hank gets killed. Uh huh. But the the lab the lab is is set on fire. Right. Yeah. And uh, when they investigate it, they mentioned that two bodies were found. Oh, oh wow. okay. I'm not quite there in my rewatch yet, so I'm yeah, gonna totally right, watch yeah, for that. Yeah. So listen for listen for that. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. 
the gosh, other thing I love everything. about this series too, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, guys, but in Breaking Bad, Gus Fring is always in control. He feels like he is the dominant player. He is the king of the block and nothing ever rattles him or phases him. But in this series, we get to see a different side of Gus. We see him nervous and pacing and deciding which tie he wants to wear and having the, the safe house. And I, I just thought that was fun to see a different side of that character. And then to it's see, just, like, once just... he got rid of them, once he got rid of the Salamancas, then he was like, I'm it. This is this yep. is as good as it gets. Yep. That's that Gus's story. I mean, I mean, it's engaging. It's mm-hmm. uh, we're not we're not in fear of him, um, right. but it's it's Gus's ascension to uh-huh. the 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 point he's reached, and when he's he's introduced to us in Breaking Bad, he's the, he's the drug lord of that area, of that region, and right. and when we meet him, he's working for the Salamancas, the, but he yeah. has that hatred. Of the Salamancas because Hector killed his partner slash lover, right? Um, that's right. Years years before, and he had to serve him because that's all that was available. Yeah, he couldn't make a move until he was able to make a move. So that was that was that was his and Mike Ermintrout's. That's right. Purpose in this whole kind of Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul world building is we saw their ascension. From you know what what's Mike doing when we need him in Better Call Saul? He's parking he's, attendant. He's a parking attendant. Oh yeah, that's right. You know we we learn later that he's a former cop. He's a former dirty cop that's living with the the guilt and the and the sorrow of of what happened to his son. Right. And that's why he's so intense on taking care of and caring for his daughter-in-law and his granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But, but their role in, in Better Call Saul is kind of their story that takes them to, you know, here's Fring, who's, you know, basically a a captain, I guess, yeah. for the yeah. for the Salamanca cartel. Mm-hmm. And, and here's Mike, who's a parking attendant, and where they go from there to where they're at in Breaking Bad. And yeah. it's very, it's very good character development. It's very good storytelling. Oh yeah, and just to see more of them, you know, like even in the first season of Better Call Saul, you know, we got to see Mike. Um, he was helping Jimmy with like I can't even remember the names. It's been so long, but I just remember the scene when he's like going through the house, and he's uh-huh. like setting up like all the things. Well, and is, I it, just, is it the Kettleman's house? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I love- Yes. I love that character. Yeah, like Those, Mr. and Mrs. Kettleman, they're great characters. Yeah, like that whole that whole like plot right there. Like it was just so it was so cool to see more of Mike and see him kind of do like his like I don't even know what the right term is, but like you know, secret agent or black ops <laughs> kind of person. You know, you got to see more of that with him, you know, because we kind of saw like, you know, he he is obviously very experienced with um you know, like law enforcement and, you know, just being like that kind of authoritative, you know, person, but to see him kind of like in action, you're just like, Mike is so cool. Oh my goodness. So it was really fun to see just to get more of that with those. I characters. also love that flashback of, uh, of Mike going into Saul's office 
Uh, yes. Saul is still considering, you know, becoming Walter White's oh, yeah. lawyer. And, and those, Mike's those like, cars. avoid this guy at all costs. He's an yeah. amateur. He didn't listen. Again, he didn't listen to Mike, and mm-hmm. the rest was history. So, yeah, there there is actually a um, a charity website where they're auctioning off items from Better Call Saul, and it's going to the Albuquerque um, Education Fund or something like that. Uh-huh. And one of the items, like they have suits that that Bob Odenkirk wore um, <laughs> and stuff like that, but they have the the little foot massager thing that he buys online and he's laying on the floor and Mike's like yes. that off. I'm not again again no I'm not talking to you <laughs> yeah but again Gene Torkovich buys one yes yes yeah. and that's part of his transformation from Gene back to Saul back into Saul mm-hmm. yeah oh my goodness so uh, if you want a massager then uh it's available <laughs> I just love how everything just fits so nicely together and it all comes full circle. Like I just, I, I think something good to, um, to end on would be, I just loved that scene. It was really interesting when he's in the prison bus and he's being transported Uh and some of the, the other criminals there recognize him and that, cause you know, they know who they are and they start chanting his name. Mm-hmm. And then he at first is kind of like, you guys stop. But then you realize he likes it because you see that yeah. such a sly little smirk. And, and he can use that in the prison. He can use that notoriety to get things. And, yes. and I love the fact that they show him working the dough and it turns out he's not at the Cinnabon. He's yeah. making bread in the prison. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yes. From the first time they showed the dough machine at Cinnabon, they were foreshadowing where he was going to end up at the end of yeah. the series. Yeah. So, oh, I just love it. Oh my goodness. Real, real quick, I loved the security guard, Jerry from Parks and Rec. Um, the security guard he always gives the Cinnabon to, and I yeah. kept oh, thinking, yes. he must have eaten so many Cinnabons doing all those <laughs> 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 He's like, best day at work ever. <laughs> Oh goodness, yes. Those looked so good. I wanted one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, it's 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 uh it's one of those series that I mean both of them, you go back and you watch it again and there's so much more you can catch the second time, third time around that you don't catch the first time. And they stuck the landing twice. And yeah. that's very impressive. Oh yeah, for sure. No, I, I, I love going back and rewatching these shows. And whenever I have some friends that are asking for like TV recommendations, I ask them, "Have you tried Breaking Bad yet?" And some people are like, "Oh, I started it," and I'm like, "Watch it. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Just get you know, just power through if you need to." But like, it's such an amazing series. And then with Better Call Saul, like it's its own, you know, yes, there's a lot, obviously we talked about like a lot of, you know, things that interconnect, but on its own, it's an amazing show as well. It's a totally different show, but it's very similar, which Mm -hmm. is really cool. Yeah. I, I, uh, I loved how, I loved how Breaking Bad ended with Walt setting up the, um, the automatic gun in the the trunk of his car to take out the drug dealers that were holding Jesse. Um, And gets himself shot in the process. Gets himself shot in the process. 
very violent ending to the violent world Walt had created for himself. Yeah. Walt became part of that violent world, but I'm glad that they didn't go down the same route. Yes. Finishing mm-hmm. Better Call Saul like they did Breaking Bad because, because even though Saul, Jimmy made themselves part of this violent world that that Walter White becomes part of later. At the same time, it was this show was about relationships. This was about first Jimmy and Chuck, and yeah. then Jimmy and Kim. Yeah. And I'm I was so happy that Saul's or Jimmy's retribution redemption had to do with him um, keeping Kim from going to prison and or being part of a civil lawsuit that would have destroyed, destroyed her right. financially. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we got that final uh, flashback scene where they brought back Chuck. That was, oh, yes. And, I and, and, and um, Michael McKean. <laughs> Michael McKean, who was one of my all-time favorite actors. But that scene was the day before the pilot episode of Better Call Saul. That's awesome. Mm. But it was also a reminder that Jimmy was someone who cared about others. Deeply. Oh, Walter yes. White didn't care. Walter <laughs> White only cared about himself. Right. He said that he was, you know, in the beginning, he said he was, he was, he was my family. making this meth to raise money so his family would be able to survive. Mm-hmm. He was going to make $730,000 to leave behind for his family, which, by the way, was the, the guy with cancer that uh-huh. Jimmy broke into his house, that Saul broke into his house. Yeah. When he was looking at the guy's financials in, in one account, the guy had $730,000. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Another callback to Breaking Bad. Okay, that's cool. That's ah, a very deep So cut. many. I did not know that one. Yeah. That's cool. But Walt not only made that money, he, he easily surpassed it. Yeah. Um, and so that showed that his efforts were all about himself. Jimmy's efforts were all about other people. And that's how the show ended was, was Jimmy sacrificing himself for other people. I mean, yeah, Walt, Walt did sacrifice himself to save Jesse, but, but Jimmy sacrificed himself after he couldn't save his brother. He sacrificed himself to save Kim. For sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I'm glad they didn't just, like, somehow kill um, Jimmy off in the end. Like, Mm -hmm. his ending happened the way it needed to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think we all knew he was, it was going to end up with him in prison. Um, Obviously, we didn't know the in-between stuff. Right. But I'm just, yeah, I'm glad that they, they did what they needed to for each ending, for each ending of each show, and for those characters. It was very fitting. Absolutely. Oh man. Well, ah, so many, so many good things. So many good things about these shows. I for hours. I know there's just so many little details and I know we didn't touch on 
as many as I'm, yeah, as much as we could, but we do have to end at some point. Um, so I guess just any, any last thoughts you guys before we, before we end the show officially. Tracy. Um, I, like I said, I think it's remarkable that they, they, we were all worried about, can they make the landing work the finale work for breaking bad? And they did. And I, knew a few people who were worried about Better Call Saul. And I'm like, you know what? They've already proven to me that they can do this. So I wasn't worried that they were going to do it. But I was so just satisfied with the way that it all went down. I'm with you, Marley. It ended the way it needed to end. Um, it was a beautiful, poetic. There were so many callbacks to the beginning, the sharing of the cigarette. And then at the end, when they do the, where, where Saul does the finger guns, and they mm -hmm. cut to the wide shot and she's on one side of one barbed wire fence. Then there's a big empty space between them. And then he's behind the barbed wire fence on the other side, just showing the yeah. distance between them. They're never going to breach, but they still have that love and respect. And that just beautiful, beautiful filmmaking, writing, everything was yeah. great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would say anyone who's an aspiring, uh, filmmaker uh writer screenwriter director uh if you if you aspire to uh be the showrunner of a tv series you create someday um watch both shows mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. pay close attention these both these shows are a master class on how to tell a story cinematically correctly yes and um For you sure. know pay attention to what you're creating. Um, you know, we, we've talked about the details that, that these guys paid attention to that final scene with, with uh, Jimmy and Kim together uh, smoking in the, the conference room or the, the interview room where Kim's kind of used her, her uh, Albuquerque or, New Mexico bar card to get in because it never expires, um, you know. And they're 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 leaning back against the wall, uh, smoking, sharing that cigarette. Again, that happened in the pilot episode. Mm -hmm. The music mm -hmm. that's being played was the same music they played in the pilot episode. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, watch these shows. Watch how they're. Uh, they're executed, how each scene is executed, how, mm -hmm. how the characters are developed. Uh, watch how they uh, use uh, flash forwards and flashbacks effectively. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah. Those, those all moved the character stories forward, even the flashbacks. That's not easy to do as writing mm -hmm. usually mm -hmm. usually people use flashbacks as a way for to uh give exposition lost um, or or oh, details yeah. um and often it 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 slows the story down it doesn't keep it moving forward watch how these people do it it's it's remarkable yeah i love it very well said for sure no i i I, like I said before, like this is a, these are two shows that I will always recommend to people um, needing a, a good TV show to, to dive mm -hmm. into. And 
Like, cause seriously, like after the very first time I watched better, um, ugh, there's too many bees breaking bad. The first time I like sat there just kind of in awe with how, like it, it was a TV masterpiece to me, Yeah, you know? And I, and I think it, and it holds up because yeah, again, like, cause I've, I've rewatched it by myself once. And then now I'm rewatching it again with my husband and I'm just like, the show is just so good. And every time, like, I just, I'm like, I'm pumped, you know, you still get that, like, yes, this is great, you know, feeling. And, and then to have like the, the universe expanded into better call Saul is, and then of course, like, yeah, there's, you know, El Camino as well. I, you know, I don't want to totally sure. forget about that one too. Cause it's a nice supplement. I feel like, um, to the rest of the story, but it's just all of it together. Like they could, there's so much more they could do with this and who knows they might make more, they might not. I don't think they need to, but I think I, if I they think did, done, I, yeah. Okay. I, you know, and I'm totally fine with that. Like, I feel like what I they have too. is, is, is great. Like there's, yeah. There's, yeah, there's you know, talk, good. Um, it's it's satisfying. There's talk that Vince Gilligan is going to his next show is kind of a Twilight Zone X Files type show, and uh-huh. he got his he got his start on the X Files. So he's like, I want to do something different. He's like, I feel like I've got this kind of mastered, like this world mastered. I want to yeah. challenge myself in another one, and see if I can do it there too. Excellent, I love that. I'm whatever it is. I'm so excited to to get into it because yeah. these the, guys, the, they know, they know what, they know what to do. <laughs> the the X-Files is the reason why Brian Cranston got the part of Walter White because the network didn't want him. Why? Because he was Hal from Malcolm in the That's Middle. Right. Oh, But Vince Gilligan had been involved with the next files episode that Brian Cranston played a darker character in it mm. and he came you know he told the network this guy mm. can do it i've seen him i've seen him play a darker character he's just not this goofy comedy guy he's he's a very good dramatic actor and, yeah. and he proved them right you know i i i think that uh, it's great what they've given us we have mm-hmm. 65 episodes between breaking bad and better call saul we have a movie and that's a lot of content to go back and revisit. In fact, I, mm-hmm. I was thinking the other day, I'd like to go back, start with better call Saul season one, go up until the episode nine of the final <laughs> season and then watch breaking bad and then watch El Camino and then watch those final four episodes of, of better call Saul. So uh-huh. it, it won't be completely it won't be completely in <laughs> chronological order because the whole series of Better Call Saul they they, they, they go back and forth. forward to to Gene in, in Nebraska, but I think that'll be a fun way to watch it. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna do it. I guess. Oh well you guys, this has been this has been so much fun talking about um, these shows, these characters that we love. Um, I really appreciate you guys coming on age of geek podcast and, um, sharing this with me. And, uh, I'm definitely going to put some spoiler warnings on our show notes when we release this, <laughs> I forgot to say that at the beginning, but I feel like if you're coming into a, a episode where you're talking about a finale, you should expect spoilers. <laughs> right. But yes. Um, oh no, we lost Tracy again. 
Tracy, I guess Tracy got his final word in. Yes, he's like, yeah, I'm done. Thanks, guys. The internet gods uh, have so decreed it. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, well, I'll just kind of, well, he's, hopefully he'll pop back in, but I'll just do our little final um, blurb here. So, again, um, you can find Age of Geek podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We also have the, like the video versions on YouTube and um, we're also on the, all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all of the, all of those. And um, again, I'm Marley. I'm also on the Cutscenes and Cupcakes podcast, which is under the Age of Geek Media umbrella. And um, you can find Blake. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook and uh, hanging out at the library near my house. Excellent. I love it. <laughs> um, Tracy just messaged me and he's like, I lost internet. Grr. So uh, well, I guess we'll just go ahead and close without him. So again, thanks, Blake. Thanks, Tracy, thank for being you. here. And I'm going to do the little outro starting now. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.